Hey, comic syllabus uh, subscribers and followers. Um, this is the segment called The Infinite Unlimited, where we look at Marvel and DC Comics that are um, three months and six months later than their releases, respectively, because they are out on these um, incredible subscription streaming apps, Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite, where at the comic syllabus we can check in on um, Marvel and DC titles, um, but we don't have to shell out the big bucks of buying them at the comic book store, even though I still do the <laughs> um, so if you are not a subscriber to Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe, of course you can still access these uh, books, however you um, buy books at the comic shop, um, but um, these are the latest this week out, um, and we start at uh, Marvel Comics with, um, no sorry, we start at DC Comics today, with um, these titles that were out this past week from DC Universe Infinite. Um, I want to start with Static. Static is back, and so is Milestone. I'm so, so excited about this. Um, uh, fans of the show know that Milestone is just the coolest um, to me. Um, really important and um, influential on my comics reading life. And um, I've been, been super thrilled that um, Static and Icon and Rocket and... Um, and hardware are coming back. Static is, of course, the first. Um, I talked about the original run of Static and that um, writing by Robert Washington III and, and Dwayne McDuffie and the art by um, John Paul Leone in an earlier episode of Comic Syllabus. But um, here we have Vita Ayala and art by Chris Cross and Nicholas Draper Ivy um, on this new incarnation of Static, which um, we saw in the Milestone Returns um, one-shot that the originary event of the Milestone universe, of the Dakotaverse, which is called the Big Bang, um, has happened in, in this reboot. It's happened at, um, in the, at the location, at the, at the, um, at the event of a, um, a protest uh, against police violence. Um, and so firmly rooting us in the Black Lives Matter movement of um, of now, uh, Vida Ayala, Chris Cross, and Nicholas Draper Ivy give us a static that has some of that um, quick wit, that sense of humor, that kind of um, great command of how, of how to be socially with it that the original Virgil Hawkins had. Um, but the art has more of an influence, both from <clears throat> the original milestone styles of someone like John Paul Leone and from uh, more contemporary styles that are influenced by anime and things like that. Um, we have in static number one, many of the old characters back, Virgil, his family, um, Frida, um, some of the friends. You can see that some of the elements of the original static that would be not the best representation nowadays are gone and instead I think they're replaced with something that is definitely more of a 2020s vibe than a 1990s vibe where rather than this um, shall we say kind of like defiance of dominant culture and of the the experience of racism pervading communities um, instead there's a kind of a, a heavy-heartedness actually that sits throughout the whole book and I don't think that's a, a negative thing at all. In fact, I think it's reflective of a, 
generational way that, you know, young folks today have to find our fun and our humanity at the same time that we take very seriously the things that are going on in the world. So we have a static and a Virgil who is um, still quick-witted, you know, still up for having a good time, but is also, um, you can see that the entire scene, especially in one particular set of pages where it contrasts the pre-Big Bang dinner table scene with the family to, to afterwards, that there's a heaviness um, that they're carrying. And I think it's really interesting because to me, this, the character of Static has always been about using not just the superpowers, but the wit, the attitude, the defiance against like forces of evil and white supremacy to overcome, to kind of supersede the way that um, dominant culture may try to like snuff out black life. And that's still there in Static, in, in, in Ayala and Criss Cross and Draper Ivy's hands. But I think there's also this, almost this recognition that leaning so far into that attitude in prior generations would allow for some sweeping under the carpet of just how tough things are and, and how much suffering there is in the world and, and, and how much there is a need for connection and love and, and honesty. So there, I'd say that this is a more vulnerable Virgil, uh, as much as Vol Virgil was very um, vulnerable in his original incarnations, he was also deflecting a lot. And you see that a little bit less with his Virgil. Um, Static itself is still figuring out superpowers. Um, you know, we're early on, so we're still going to see how it connects with the rest of the Dakota verse. Um, I'm just super excited because even though I am picking these up, um, in hard copies, they're also showing up day and day on DC Universe Infinite. I mean, that in itself pays for the subscription. So I, I just think the value in DC Universe Infinite with all the things that they have coming straight to the, the streaming service is pretty great. Um, so that's static number one. But speaking of things going straight or first to digital, um, Sensational Wonder Woman Chapter 10 is also out this past week. It is the second of a two-part story written by Amy Chu and art by Sanapo and Broom. And just a interesting, fun story in um, Sensational Wonder Woman Chapter 10. Um, I think that the name of the story is something called Ultimate Fan or something like that. And it's a, it's a like I said, a two-part story that, you know, could be a single-issue comic about a, uh, uh, an older woman and um, she's in a nursing home and the, and the older woman um, is uh, what they sometimes um, call a runner. <laughs> she's she wants to um, break free of the nursing home, and um, and uh, of course she's dealing with some of the things um, that often come with old age. And the, but the creators are are showing it with such honor because you know sometimes when older folks are lost more in their memory than in the reality around them in the moment. Um, Comics allow us to see how rich and how important that memory could be. And in the case of this fangirl, that memory is of a longtime friendship with, with Diana, with Wonder Woman, who, of course, you know, they were both young in those, um, in those World War II times. And then she's aged while her association with Wonder Woman has continued and Wonder Woman has stayed Wonder Woman. And so the, um, just the sweetness of the story of this, um, old, friend and sold woman it's uh it really does it for me i think there's a lot of sentiment and a lot of um affection and, and respect for um 
this uh, the fellow geriatric for from Wonder Woman um, in this story. So I just enjoyed the closing of this chapter. Awesome cover art too, by the way. You could see there from um, DK Ruan, who is also the artist on Shang Chi. Um, I think that's a pretty cool looking cover. Um, and that brings us to Fortnite number five. Um, Fortnite. <laughs> Batman Fortnite Zero Point, a comic I never thought I would be reading. Um, and I gotta admit that um, when it first came out, written by Christos Gage with art by um, Starro and, and Dusay and Klaus, I was not that, I was, I was not interested in it. I'm not really a gamer. Um, I only know of Fortnite because I hang out with adolescents who, who do the dances. <laughs> but I heard some pretty good things about the first few um, issues of this and since I have DC Universe Infinite and it was available to me, I started to read it. It was cool because you have a Batman at those first issues who was really being uh, Batman the Detective, which is my favorite Batman. But um, unfortunately, soon the story devolves into we have to make a story make sense out of a video game world. And the things that make a, a video game world fun for video games don't necessarily make for good comic storytelling, in my opinion. And so there's a lot of ways that they're trying to make sense of why we're here and why we have these repeated rounds of fighting and why when you die you respond that um, now we're getting into a kind of a, a territory where I was just not into Batman Fortnite zero point number five the way that the first couple issues intrigued me uh, nonetheless I'm sure people are reading this who um, don't care what my opinion is <laughs> but um and I, and I hope you're enjoying it <laughs> meanwhile I keep getting an email after I finish every issue that I've unlocked some new thing in, in Fortnite as a game, but I don't play, so if you want it, let me know. <laughs> or you can just read the issue and you'll get it yourself. So I don't know if I'm going to keep going with Batman Fortnite Zero Point, but there it is on the app. Um, and that brings us to Death Metal, um, Last Stories of the DC Universe. And I saw as they were coming out towards the end of the big Death Metal event that um, you know Snyder and company uh, brought to a big multiversal apocalypse or culmination or something some sort i didn't read much of it to be honest um having to do with the batman who laughs and perpetual character and wonder woman and something 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 uh <laughs> i suppose it's there now in dc universe infinite so i may um indulge in some of that and try to catch up with what the heck was going on uh, but one thing about events like those is they occasion the chance for one shots like this i think it's about 80 pages or so and it's um it's the last stories of the DC Universe. There was a framing story um, um, that is written by Joshua Williamson, James Tynan the fourth, uh, and Scott Snyder. Um, that features the Titans, and you really kind of get to see all the Titans of you know every generation of Titans all assembled together. Um, that's too many Titans for us to get too deep with them, but you, it, it gives um, artist Travis Moore a chance to kind of draw you know many generations of. Dick Grayson's <laughs> and to see the characters kind of chatting with each other and, and little tiny details that you can catch. Um, but within that framing story, as the title says, it is the last days of whatever sort of grand end that's brought that's being brought about by death metal. And so what I like about it is just, just lots of short stories that allow for that kind of, you know, final season or final episode season finale or series finale of lost or whatever all the sentiment comes out you know we don't have to deal with all of the um stupid plot points or who knows what about you know continuity but really just like the core of these characters getting to um express the last things they want to say as they know certain death is around the corner 
I suppose because of death metal. Um, so you get Jeff Lemire and Al Raphael Albuquerque working on a Green Lantern story. You got Mariko Tamaki and Daniel Sampier on, on a Wonder Woman story. That's quite nice. Um, Gail Simone and Megan Hetrick on, um, a Green Arrow and Black Canary story. Um, Christopher Sabella and, and Chris Mooneyham on an Aquaman and Cecil Castellucci and Mirka Andolfo on a pretty fun Bat Family story together. And then, um, Mark Wade and Francis Manipal on a Superman tale. Um, kind of fun and uh not something that i would have bought the shop but something definitely fun to dip into on dc universe infinite um and finally the sweet tooth the return issue two um seems like more than just an opportunity to cash in on the netflix show showing up um but maybe not much more <laughs> um i love sweet tooth the original series and you know got it in issues got it in trades got it in compendiums but um and i thought it was all done just nicely you know wrapped up and together in a package uh and then jeff lemire i couldn't resist the temptation um what's nice is you know i miss seeing lemire draw jeff lemire writes so much stuff now that surely there's very little time for him to actually draw but he's drawing and and it's weird because the book opens um if you read first issue of sweet tooth the return the second issue is out this week on dc universe infinite um but the first issue you know um it says it starts by saying it's 300 years later but Gus is back, um, and indeed Gus is slowly retrieving memories of being Gus and of of Jeopard and of the original story. If you've read Sweet Tooth, or even if you're just watching the show right now, um, I would probably not read Sweet Tooth: The Return unless you've read Sweet Tooth: The Original, thirty some odd issue uh, story. Um, but the different twist on this is that, uh, like I said, it's three hundred years later. We don't quite know at this point why Gus is still around or why he's back, but he's definitely not in the cabin in the woods that we he started with at the beginning of the original Sweet Tooth. Instead, there's a character who calls himself father, but is clearly some kind of um, religious priest, zealot, um, cult-like thing going on. And he's got all kinds of followers who are, you know, sort of controlling Gus's environment to maybe to try to reproduce because I remember there were some like truly religious apocalyptic um, uh, background things in the original Sweet Tooth of minor spoilers that um, were the reason for the hybrids and this apocalypse and so on. Um, but um, this, this father character is clearly trying to, you know, manipulate this 300 years later Gus probably to produce some kind of result seize power i don't know um anyway it's just back it's just nice to be back with these characters and this world and in issue two um the story pushes out a little bit further and we meet some of the other characters i think it ultimately is was a six issue run so it's completed in normal comics world but in our dc universe infinite six months later world um it's just going to be fun to see this roll out this black label title written and drawn by jeff lemire um, that's what I checked out this week on DC Universe Infinite. And now let's take a look at Marvel Unlimited. Uh, and so now we come to what's new on the um, Marvel Unlimited app. Um, and uh, this week, um, I think a fun thing to read if you have been watching Loki and kind of into it is that um, Mariko Tamaki, an artist, um, 
Repair, Gurihiru, um, have this four-issue uh, all-ages series Thor and Loki Double Trouble. It is a lot of fun. Um, Gurihiru have drawn a few miniseries like this or single-issue things with the Marvel characters and um, with Tamaki writing, you can you can tell there's going to be some some mirth and mayhem and trick tricking and trickstering which um is perfect loki material um thor being the sort of you know brash chris hemsworth like thor loki being a very like uh tricky hiddleston like loki um and you know all with the the fun and and lavish um guru hero art so um first issue of thor and loki double trouble is there on marvel unlimited um this week also brings the debut of children of the atom which if you are uh reading the hickman x-men uh krakoa kind of reign of x thing going on right now um you probably already know about or if you haven't been but you're looking for something within all of these x books to follow and if you were a past fan of of new mutants or generation next um children of the atom is is for you um it's a team of it's sort of the you know young young mutants team and in this case it's a team of young mutants who haven't um joined the big krakoan party they're still out there for reasons yet unknown and um it's uh written by vita yala and uh drawn by bernard chang uh, and we've got a beautiful rb silva cover here um but in this first issue i i don't even think we get the the you know um hand the superhero handles for most of these characters they they sort of call each other by their first name we're getting to know them um they're they're all new they they sort of parallel the original x-men there's a bamfing nightcrawler character there's a uh, there's clearly a um a cyclops character uh you know and and uh, and there's a gambit like you know so some certain uh um analogs to past x-men characters but the um the children of adam team um you know face off against this other sort of young mutant team out there and again because it's not set on krakoa quite yet they haven't you know you can see that the um you know scott and, and gene are starting to think about how do we do we reel these these you know these uh, children of the atom do we do we bring them into the fold here um but because it's still kind of independent from all of the um you know charles xavier and uh and magneto shenanigans <laughs> on the island um it stands on its own pretty well as a story and it seems um super intriguing i like these new characters we see some of the relationships uh between them um we have you know non-binary characters and queer characters and um, and as a set of character designs and power sets and stuff like that it's pretty cool um especially if you like the way that you know expansions of younger generations of mutant books have often built on the past but also kind of brought their own thing and you know one again um and and this may be because vidayala uh writes both that static book that i talked about over on on dc and and children of the atom there's a tone of both youthful exuberance and um now i kind of um hesitate to use the word heaviness um but i i feel like vida yala's writing has just this great way that i i really relate to of maybe writing for a time when young people have to take so many things seriously they just really kind of understand that um you know this is a generation of of a huge amount of 
social responsibility, you know, and as a 40 year old who for many years taught teenagers who are now the 20 year olds and, and 25 year olds, I, I know that that is um, a way that they're very much living into like a legacy of, you know, post 9-11, post Bush administration, post Afghanistan era um, activism and sense of, you know, social and civic responsibility. Anyway, I, I just get that a little bit with Children of the Atom and Vida Ayala's work. I'm a big fan of their their writing everywhere. And um glad that it's now landed on Marvel Unlimited for us to read month to month. Um, something else that I've been reading month to month is Daredevil. Uh, the the current run of Daredevil written by uh, Chip Zdarsky and drawn by Marco Cicchetto. Cicchetto. Um, uh, kind of continues from, you know, starting from issue one. We're now on 20-something. Uh, 28 is the issue. I just looked it up. <laughs> that you see down here. Um, uh, what you get is this incredibly cool um, Mark Cicchet Marco Cicchetto, um design for Electra who has come to stand in for uh, Matt Murdock because uh, Murdock is taking the rap for, well, he the deserved rap for the murder that he committed um, in, in the act of service. Uh, in the line of duty as Daredevil when he, um, you know, killed um, somebody. I think it was uh, one of the criminals uh, that he was fighting in, in the early issue. And so this whole run has been a lot of questions about power and justice and about the violence of, you know, enforcers and authority uh, authority figures, be they legal or extra legal. And um, Murdoch feels a, a responsibility to face accountability for having caused um, this, this person's death. And so um, he's in jail. Wilson Fisk is in power. And Electra comes to um, sit in for Matt. We don't get a lot of the goings-ons of Electra as Daredevil, despite the first appearance, first cover appearance of Electra Daredevil. I think we'll see that more in the coming issues. Um, but we do see plenty of Matt in prison, um, forming tenuous alliances and facing typical prison struggles um all of those though just kind of makes dark all of these questions of justice and accountability that the story is asking so um i'm always keeping up and and here for some daredevil i've liked zadarsky's run a whole lot so daredevil 28 is there at the marvel unlimited app as is uh eternals number three um i gotta tell you the truth karen gillen and isad ribic on an eternal story with the movie coming out you know directed by chloe zhao i'm i'm excited for all of those participants i still have um just caught up even though i've been picking these up in single issues and it's farther along of course three months farther along i still have very little idea what's happening right now <laughs> the eternals have always been pretty confusing i liked the neil gaiman and uh John Romita Jr. miniseries. Uh, that was my best introduction, I think. And I think the best introduction out there to the, origi the original um, Eternals characters. Um, but in a way that's just kind of typical for Kieran Gillen, who I just, res I, you know, I respect the architect, but I just, he's not my favorite because I never really know what's going on, um, <laughs> whether it's Wicked and Divine or Journey into Mystery. And I feel that way a little bit. Every every Kieran Gillen book to me is a journey into mystery. I feel a little bit about the Eternals with that. Um, but, but the Isad Rivich art goes a long, long way for me. And so um, 
I will continue to puzzle out this series as I reread Eternals. Um, and finally, speaking of art that I love, um, Nonstop Spider-Man is um, written by Joe Casey and drawn by one of my favorites, Chris Bachalo, Bachalo, I don't know. Um, this book is hitting some delays now, I think, in the latter issues. I think three, I, I have three in hand and four is supposed to be coming out. Um, but one is there in Marvel Unlimited and Marvel Unlimited is a great way to catch these titles as they come out or to store them up and then pick them up when you've made some movement. I think the three issues of Nonstop Spider-Man, which as the title says, is kind of like the, the you know, the movie Speed. It's kind of all premised on, um, I think this drug that, you know, Peter's trying to find out about and that people from um, Empire State University are getting caught up in. But there is a, a momentum to the story. It's, it's you know, like that Keanu Reeves movie Speed. It's just like it's supposed to keep going. It is nonstop. And that means um, lots and lots of pages of double page spreads with like some really cool storytelling and, and just kind of exploding out of the panels which if you like Chris Pachalo's modern work, um, you know that that is pretty glorious to see. So I've been into Nonstop Spider-Man and issue one is there at Marvel Unlimited. Um, so these are the things I'm reading. Uh, let me know what you're reading on Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe Infinite. Let me know what you think about the Infinite Unlimited um, segment. And um, I am still sort of, I think sometimes we will just catch up with what's new on the apps, um, especially the digital only releases um, and then we will also maybe take some deep dives. In fact, I'm reading a bunch of Loki um, to compare side by side with the show and want to do an episode soon about what I've read and noticed in terms of themes and in terms of ideas that were, are there in the comics and are, are being kind of resurfaced and brought to glorious purpose um, in the Loki TV show. Um, but let me know what you think about the Infinite Unlimited. Subscribe to the comic syllabus. Find us at our home at Multiversity Comics. Um, and thanks.